to season two of Inside My Canoe Head, a podcast about individual emergency preparedness, living through a pandemic, reinventing yourself, and chasing adventure. My name is Jeff. Thanks for joining us today, and let's get to it. All right, welcome to the first episode of season two at Inside My Canoe Head. Today, our goal is straightforward and simple. I need to make the case to you as to why in all of this nause and the tens of thousands of other people speaking in this space, why you should pay attention to me for individual emergency preparedness and related information. Why should I be your source? Why should you expend the non-renewable resource of time with me and not sitting mindly watching other videos or listening to podcasts. So today, that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to lay out the plan. We're going to lay out the logic behind our 12-step detox program for individual emergency preparedness. And we're going to tell you how it is going to help you and your family get from A to B. That being from the state that you're in right now, whatever that state may be, to a state of preparedness where you are ready to take on whatever life throws you. So when we look at the space at individual emergency preparedness or emergency preparedness in general, what is out there? We have YouTube, podcasts, blogs, Instagrams, all social media are full of individuals, corporations, and otherwise noted individuals, professionals, experts, survivalists, preppers, and anybody trying to make a buck off of the state of disrepair the world happens to be in now are talking about individual emergency preparedness. But what is the message that they are sending? Well, the majority of the messages are circled around total economic collapse. They're circled around food shortages and supply chain disruptions within the North American system. They talk to civil disobedience, violent and large-scale disruptions of normal social behavior patterns in a modern society. They talk about selling everything and running to the hills living in a yurt, living off grid, you know, raising all of your own chickens and gardens and those type of things. But let me be clear, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that the vast majority of people out there, especially the people listening to me, are interested in living in an urban or suburban environment. They enjoy their homes, their neighborhoods, their friends, their schools, their community associations, their faith groups, and everything else that surrounds them in their normal life, they enjoy it. That's where you want to stay. So my question to you is, who is speaking to that group? The people who are not interested in buying two years of food or becoming bushcraft survival experts and using ferro rods and other instruments to light their fire in their handmade shelter in the woods from which they're going to attempt to support their family for time immemorial. However, that group of people do want to live with a greater sense of security in these troubling times. They're looking for a blanket of insurance around them that helps with these disruptions. COVID-19 has exposed weaknesses in areas of our lives that we previously believed were secure. The transportation industry, access to regular commerce, our own income security in our families and our friends, our financial stability, our long-term vision on retirement or vacation or whatever it is you were working towards, just the basic provision and access to regular health care and 
access to the food and the type of food and, and drink and adventure and restaurants that you normally partook, COVID-19 has placed an, an incredible disruption in this. And for the vast majority of people out there, they were not prepared for that disruption. Hence, this podcast is orientated towards those people who were uncomfortable due to the disruption of their lives and an event that was 100% totally beyond their control. They're interested in staying in the world that they live, but they just don't like the fact that there was an external disruption event that caused such significant change in the way they conducted their and their family's affairs, and they want to do something to make sure that the next disruption that comes along, and there will be many different ones by many different names, that they will be, in essence, prepared and ready to deal with that without having to turn their basement into a nuclear bunker. So knowing that's the group that we are orientated towards, what is our theoretical foundation? Why do we come at this different from other folks? So when you look at a national level, a strategic level, you've heard terms such as disaster risk reduction, which is based on the United Nations framework put out by the Hyogo and then follow on that with the Sendai framework. And it was all about countries doing everything that they can to get ready for large scale predictable events that cause mass destruction in societies. And it really came out of the 2004 earthquake and subsequent tsunami in Indonesia and the earthquake in 2010 in Haiti amplified the needs for these national level programs. And these are for large, like I said, large scale predictable events. But how do you take that down to an individual, you sitting in the basement of your house, listening to this podcast, wondering how do I figure out what the world uh, has in store for me? So there's something called a high reds. It's a uh, hazard identification and risk analysis that is done at all levels from the strategic level. Your federal government does it. Your provincial government does it. Your municipal government does it. Some organizations working in the space will do it as well. But it essentially has a look at what am I exposed to where I live and what is the risk associated with that? And it's a basic it's, it's not that challenging to do at the individual level. But in reality, research and life experience tells us that it's the loss of supportive systems that creates, you know, my disruptive experience. And I'll give you an example. I live in the nation's capital, Candlelit, uh, in Ottawa. And we Several years ago, we had tornadoes that go through. We had six go through the national capital region in a very short period of time. And there was extensive destruction in some areas and unfortunately some loss of life. But there, to me, as an individual living here, I, the tornadoes didn't hit my house. My house suffered no damage. However, the utility of power was taken out and it was down for some 36 hours. So while no actual effect of the, of the tornado hit my house, the effect on the critical infrastructure did. And this is where research is turning towards something called disaster impact reduction, which is not why the utilities are no longer available is the focus, but that they are no longer available. So what does that mean? So we are not focusing on the cause of your loss of utilities. We are focusing on the fact that you no longer have access to that specific utility or something else in society that allows the systems to run. So we don't care whether it was an earthquake or tornado, an ice storm or something else that caused the power 
to no longer go to your house. We're now concerned as to what are you going to do because of the fact that the power has gone. So what we do is we now frame that discussion through the viewpoint of the examination of the support structures that allow society to operate. So if you visualize society as a dinner plate and it, and it represents everything that goes on in the city that you live in and everything that you in, engage in and underneath you're holding it up with your two hands and each one of those 10 fingers and thumbs will represent a piece of critical infrastructure. Now, critical infrastructure are those sectors of society that enable society to function in a sense of normalcy. And they are energy and utilities, finance, food, transportation, government, information and communications technology, health, water, safety, and manufacturing. So if you're holding up that plate with 10 fingers and one of them disappears, those other nine figures are going to be able to take care of holding up that platter. But as those fingers start to collapse, potentially in a group situation, you can no longer maintain holding that dinner plate in the air. And now you have effects that could be absolutely devastating to your family, but not that serious for the one next to you. And this is the notion of individual emergency preparedness being about you because your integration with the different pieces of critical infrastructure will vary depending on your family size, what you do for a living, where you live, etc. So all of these influences make a national a provincial or even a city plan very ineffective for addressing you and your family. So here on Inside My Canoe Head in the 12-step process, we are going to bring in as best possible experts and SMEs in each one of these fields to talk about how they're integrated into your lives, what an effect would be if their removal and their access was no longer available to you and what mitigating effects that you can take. Now, each of these pieces of critical infrastructure will affect individuals differently, which is why when you piece these together and you come up with little micro things to address each of the critical infrastructure, you put these collectively together and then you have now designed your own emergency preparedness plan for your family based upon your family's needs, your family's requirements, and in the situation you're in. It is not a downloadable PDF checklist that you get from anyone, and this is why it is successful. So the case we're making here at Inside My Canoe Head is if you fall within our target audience, your best approach to becoming prepared is by examining your reliance on critical infrastructure and understanding your vulnerabilities and orchestrating a plan in advance of a coming disruption that will fit all of the needs of your family that, like I said, it may and it probably will differ from your neighbors. So if you believe that that plan is a logical analysis as to how you're going to develop your own family's emergency preparedness plan, then stick with us as we go through it. Our goal is to keep each of the podcast episodes to less than 30 minutes because your time is exceptionally valuable. Inside My Canoe Head will also put up a YouTube video the same week that condenses it even further into no longer than five minutes of video representation of the key points coming out of the podcast. So with that, next week is going to be stage one of you designing an individual emergency preparedness plan. It is accepting responsibility. 
and planning for disruptions. We're going to talk about adjusting your attitude and your focus towards assuming responsibility for your outcomes and the situation that you find yourself in. We're also going to talk about what is a reasonable planning horizon? How long do you really need two years of food in your basement or is two weeks good enough? But this will all be coming from you based upon your family's needs. And then why am I wishing to be prepared? I mean, that is a very good and fundamental question that you have to answer yourself. And we're going to guide you through a bit of the psychological background that sits about why people are prepared, why people aren't prepared, and how that informs you and your decision to assume responsibility and then start understanding the planning process that is out there. So hopefully you'll take the time to join us next week on Inside My Canoe Head. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram. I'm on Twitter. My name is Jeff. If you have commentary, leave it at my email at jeff at preparednesslabs.ca. Leave it a commentary on the YouTube video. Thanks for joining us today. We believe our case is solid here at Inside My Canoe Head. Take care. Stay safe. Wear a mask. We'll all get through this.